Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This is Spurs Cast, episode 565. My name is Paul Garcia, and I'm your host here on the Spurs Cast. Today, I'll be going solo and looking at the Spurs' three point defense in their last six games, diving into the December 15th trade restriction lifting, and what that means for the Spurs players on the roster. Let's get into this episode. Since the last Spurs Cast, the Spurs have gone 2 2, losing in overtime to the Cavs, then defeating Phoenix without Devin Booker in Mexico City, also in overtime. And they had a 25-point lead in Houston against the Rockets, but they couldn't hold that lead, and the Rockets ended up winning that game in regulation. And the Spurs' most recent win came against the Brooklyn Nets on Thursday evening in San Antonio, where the Spurs' starters got, uh, got the team dug into a hole early on, but then in the second half, it was the, the second unit that helped provide a spark uh, with Patty Mills, uh, with Derek White, with Lonnie Walker, Yaka Pertle, that helped the Spurs kind of get that lead back. And then, of course, um, the, the starters were able to hold that lead in the last five minutes of the game. And San Antonio walked away with a double-digit win on Thursday against Brooklyn. So overall, in their last uh, six games, actually, the Spurs are actually 4-2 uh, and two after after the, the the rough start for them, you know, especially considering they could have been in all going into all those different overtimes, uh, you know, you can look at it two different ways. They could they could be this this overall record of eleven sixteen because they went four and two since that Pistons blowout, or they could you could look at it. What if everything went in their favor in these close games? Well, then they would be five and one in those those last six, which would have a record of twelve and fifteen, which would be the eight seed at the moment in the West. Or if things could have gone totally south for them and they could have ended up going one and five in these last six games, which would basically have them at eight and 19 overall uh, at this point, which would have been 13th uh, out in the West standing. So uh, over, overall, you kind of the Spurs kind of split that where they went, not split it, but, you know, they went four and two uh, in their last six. And they are playing better basketball at the moment. Uh, Patty Mills kind of said, uh, spoke to this uh, after the game on Thursday to the media where he said basically like the defense is improving, but it's not, you know, it's not making like the, the kind of leaps and bounds that, that the team thought they would have it by this point. It's a very slow process, and it's going to continue to take a lot more time. Uh, but even like Coach Pop said, you know, against the, in the win against Brooklyn, they were, they were able to string together a few quarters where they held Brooklyn um, below twenty below thirty points in, in multiple quarters, and, that, and that's a good sign for their defense. And when you look at the Spurs' defense overall, they are uh, trending kind of in the right direction now. They've they've gone from um, you know height uh, bottom bottom ten, uh, you know, like like twenty uh, fifth to like twenty seventh, all the way down to twentieth now as of Friday evening that I am recording this episode. So, so the signs are there that they're improving. Um, and they find themselves just a game out of, out of eighth out West uh, for, for the eighth seed. And then also just two games out of the seventh seed because the West, the bottom of the West is, is really having trouble all those teams. So yeah, so, so that's kind of where the Spurs stand now as, as uh, through 27 games. So now I'm going to go ahead and go to get into some of these, uh, some other different topics here that I, that I've been noticing uh, why the Spurs have improved a little bit here. So as I was looking at the Project Spurs game tracker on defense after the Nets win, I noticed that the Spurs' last six opponents 
um, since that blowout in Detroit have been shooting poorly from three against San Antonio. When you look at that tracker, I, I like to color code whether or not you're getting a point per shot. And on the opponent threes, almost like every single one of their opponents in the last six games is like in the red. They're just getting uh, less than a point, less than a point per shot further uh, from three. And so that's actually helped San Antonio's defense overall. So I want to begin there. I, I want to, I went back and I want to look at the numbers and, and say, uh, you know, as I look at the three point the Spurs' three point defense specifically, I'm looking at, you know, is is it really that the Spurs are improving defensively here in these last six games uh, at the three point line, or is it that the the quality of the opponent? Uh, mixed in with maybe just the opponent just missing shots. So that's kind of where I'm going to go through in this first topic, which is kind of digging into the Spurs' three-point defense in the last uh, six games. So overall, you know, when you look at it, as I mentioned, the Spurs are 20th defensively. They're allowing 110.7 points per 100 possessions. When you strip that down to just the last six games, they're actually fourth in defense, holding teams to 102.4 points per 100. Again, it's the last six games. Um and I mentioned it's fourth. It looks really good. You know, you hear top four defense, but again, it's just small, really small uh, sample size. And and a lot of that, a lot of that is too against teams that are not, uh, you know, outside of the, the Houston Rockets, a lot of the, these teams that they've been playing against these last few games, uh, except for the Houston Rockets and Brooklyn Nets, should I say that the rest of these teams that aren't really that good when you look at their record. Um, so the quality opponent uh, is something you have to consider when looking at the six game sample size. So let's first begin with opponent three point attempts. What's going on here? So during the regular season as a whole, the Spurs are allowing 33.9 three point attempts from the opponent, which is 17th. In these last uh, six games, they're actually allowing way more threes. They're allowing 41.5 three-point attempts uh, from the opponent. Now, take you have to take into the fact that a lot of these games went to overtime, so that is more shots, obviously, for the for the opponent. So that's 30th in the league. So, so they're allowing a lot more threes right now. However, the accuracy from the opponent is what's really um, showing up in these numbers and why San Antonio's uh, defensive numbers look so good. Typically, teams shoot 35.8% against the Spurs' defense, which is six, which ranks San Antonio 16th in opponent three-point accuracy. Not good. Well, you know, right right, right below league average. Uh, in these last six games, opponents are shooting 26.9%. So that makes the Spurs first in opponent accuracy, three-point accuracy, where, they're, where they're, just not, they're just not making anything. They're making 27% of their threes, which is not a, not a good number, even though they're taking a lot more threes than uh than the Spurs typically allow. So, so that's part of it. The fact that the opponents in these last six games are shooting really, really poorly, just terrible from three. And that's why, as I said, in, in the game tracker, you see a lot of red in those columns and in, in the, the accuracy. Uh, like I mentioned, opponents points per shot. Typically team, when teams take threes against the Spurs, they're getting 1.09 points per shot, three point shot. In these last six games, they're, they're getting 0.81 points per shot. That's like taking a bunch of mid-rangers, basically, if you're for like a pretty decent mid-range shooting team. That's kind of what, what the equivalent is right now for the Spurs when they're when teams are shooting those, those shots. Now, another stat that indicates whether or not this is just poor shooting or if the Spurs are actually having some sort of effect defensively in their players. And, and, and there is one stat that kind of proves that the Spurs are having a little bit of an F, um, you know, I guess upgrade in effort or, or scheme to show that they actually are having an impact in terms of limiting uh, uh, certain number of, of opponent wide open threes. And, that, and that's the wide open three statistic. Uh, typically during the season, 45% of the opponent's shots against the Spurs' defense are wide, wide open threes. So, so of their, their three-point shots for the opponent, 45% are usually uh, wide open. That's just right below 50%. Almost half their threes are almost wide open. However, during the six game, uh, th- these last six games, teams are only shooting 40.6% of their shots that are wide open. So again, you do see some effort on the Spurs' part, the fact that they are limiting um, opponent wide open three. So, so that is something to, again, you have to give comp, you have to give compliments to the players to the scheme. It, it is working that they're, they're not allowing um, as much wide open threes. 
Uh, also, what's going on here is that when teams do get wide open threes right now, they're not shooting shooting very well. Typically, they shoot 37% against the Spurs when they get a wide open three um, opponents. Right now, they're shooting just 25% on wide open threes. So again, part of this is that the Spurs are making a little bit of an effort to 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 um, take away some open threes. But but another part of this is that the, the teams are just not good sh- good shooting teams right now. They're shooting with just 25% when they're wide open uh, from three. What are some effects on the rest of the defense? Um, you're seeing more more attempts at the rim for the opponent. You know, just thinking of that 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 uh, Nets game comes to mind where like Spencer Dinwiddie and Jared Allen were just basically living at the rim against San Antonio's defense. Uh, but but the Spurs were doing a better job of, of limiting Brooklyn's three point attempts and and uh, you know really just contesting them uh, as well. So that's kind of where you're seeing is that as that opponents have have seen some more some more um, attempts at the rim, but their 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 accuracy has gone down a little bit. Now I think that's a little bit you know I think that that matters more so when you look at who's playing at the five and also who's uh, who's out there like trying to limit dribble penetration. So obviously we we know that when when Jakob Pertl's at the five the the, the teams uh, the defenses. The defensive numbers at the rim are, 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 are a lot better for San Antonio, as I've discussed here on San Antonio, whereas when LaMarcus Aldridge at the five, uh, teams do shoot better there at the rim. So some of it is personnel and things like that. But uh, teams are shooting more at the rim, but just less efficient is what, what the numbers are saying right now. Uh, mid-range looks are kind of pretty much the same. They're not, they're not too big uh, in terms of how many mid-range shots the Spurs are giving up. And teams are still shooting pretty well against them for mid-range when they do take those shots. So... And um, free throw rate is also very similar as well, so that's not that's not doesn't have a huge difference on it. So a big part of this is the fact that yes, the Spurs are are making a better effort of uh, limiting wide open threes from the opponent, but it's also the fact that the opponents in these last six games are just shooting terrible from three. Now I also want to look at the quality of opponent in terms of their three point shooting, and so I was like, you know, are, are these really good three point shooting teams, or are they you know pretty bad or average? And it turns out that most of them are some of the worst three point shooting teams in the league. Um, so like, like, let's look at the Rockets. I know the Rockets uh, are first in, in terms of um, attempts from three, but they're, they're 23rd in accuracy. It's shooting 34.6%. And the Spurs have played them twice now in these last six games. Uh, let's look at the Cavs. They're 25th in three-point accuracy, 33.6%. Let's look at the Suns, 19th in three-point accuracy, 35.3%. And then let's look at the Nets, 26th in three-point accuracy, 33.6%. The only team that's better, that just, that's just barely better than the league average at three-point accuracy is the, the, King, the Kings, who shot 35, who shoot 35.9%, and they're just 14th, so they're barely better than league average. So, so again, part of this last six games and why you've seen some of these improvements defensively, um, from the Spurs' defense is the fact that they are, they are, they have gotten a lot of opponents who aren't great three point shooting teams. You know, we, I really want to see what these, these type of numbers look like when they start getting some teams that are in the top 10 of three point accuracy. Well, then that's something to watch because uh, you, you want to look at the wide open threes and see if the Spurs are, are limiting those attempts or, or their teams are still getting the same amount of. Um, shots from from the wide open three. So again, this is kind of what I wanted to focus on a little bit, just because you know these numbers really kind of stuck out to me. The fact that you know the the, the defense from the three is is improving, and obviously that's having an effect on the entire defense because the team is slowly, as Patty Mills mentioned, they're starting to slowly improve. He says that they're not you know taking steps back, and you're seeing that in the numbers and the fact that they're finally you know going back down to twentieth as of this recording. And we'll see in the next few weeks if uh, they're able to get within you know next the next step is for them to get close to league average about fifteenth, and we'll see if they can make that progress or if they're going to stay there in the twenties. Or fall even further behind, closer to thirty, uh, if things go the wrong way for them. So, so that's kind of where the defense stands, and and uh, one of the topics I wanted to cover in terms of discussing uh, the Spurs on that end of the floor. Uh, next, I want to go ahead and look at the December fifteenth trade deadline that recently lifted, and I want to provide some details on what that means for players on the Spurs' roster. So, on December fifteenth, uh, players who signed in the summer for with the new team, uh, and also like rookies that that were drafted that who signed their summer contracts. Um, all those players are the the, the 
the trade restriction is now lifted for those players uh, where they can now be traded uh, if they wanted to be included in the deal and, and two sides agreed on a certain type of deal. So so for the Spurs, who does that impact? That impacts four players. That makes Damari Carroll available now. Uh, not available, but he's eligible to be traded. Uh, Trey Lyles is also eligibly traded. And then also the two rookies, um, uh, Keldon Johnson and Lucas Simonic. Now, now obviously... I don't think that the Spurs would would, would move Keldon and, and Luca just because they're they're young. They're going through the Austin Spurs route, and unless it was like for an All Star uh, in his prime, I doubt that any kind of these young players like Derek White, Dejounte Murray, Lonnie Walker, um, uh, Luca, or Keldon are, are even are even um, you know able to be even put into a package if San Antonio would even consider that. However, some of the role players are interesting to watch. Somebody like 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 um, Demari Carroll. You know, he signed with San Antonio this year, three year deal, partially guaranteed. He's not getting any minutes, really. He just hasn't been playing. And, and the reason for that is because Trey Lyles has played, played well for Pop. And so he's one, he's put Trey Lyles ahead of, uh, uh, in, in the rotation. And then you have Rudy Gay there still, you have Aldridge. So, at the, so when it comes to the four, there's really no, no place for, for, um, Carroll to get any minutes. Now, when it comes to the three, uh, Lonnie Walker's kind of stepped, uh, emerged from the scene there. And so he's been playing really well. Uh, and so he's obviously ahead. He, he or Marco Bellinelli are constantly kind of competing for minutes there at the, at the backup three behind DeMar DeRozan. So, so really there's, uh, unless Pop was going to take away all of Marco's minutes, but at this point now, 27 games in, it doesn't look like that's the case. Marco continues to be a player who, who gets, um, different, different, um, minutes at, at different roles, uh, depending on, on the game. Like just last night, for an instance, he started the second half at the four. Uh, so, so Pop's kind of going to continue to trust Marco more so than, than Carroll. So I do wonder if Carroll would be an, uh, a player that maybe other teams to look at call uh about for the spurs just because again he's not really playing um and he's kind of just stuck there at the end of the bench and unless um you know because lonnie's obviously ahead of him marco's ahead of him and then over there at the four you got trey lyle's ahead of him and so is um uh, Rudy Gay. Uh, Trey Lyles, like I mentioned, is also eligible to be traded. I, I don't think he'll get moved just right now unless, you know, unless he had he had to be moved just because, again, he's playing. He has actually an actual role for this team. He's actually starting right now. If he's not starting, then he's coming off the bench. So Pop continues to, to, to like what he's seeing from Trey Lyles and he's continuing to give him a role. Now, aside from those four players uh, with the December 15th trade uh, restriction lifting, um, there, there's here's here's the other players that could be that can be moved. Uh, DeMar DeRozan, LaMarcus Aldridge, Patty Mills, Marco Bellinelli. Uh, Jakob Pertl, Bryn Forbes, Lonnie Walker, Derek White, and Matthew. Again, I'm not saying these guys are going to get moved. I'm just saying these guys are eligible to be moved now uh, in terms of, of the CBA. Uh, so let, let's go through some of these names, though, and see if, um, you know, wh- where they stand on the roster. Uh, DeRozan, as we've talked about since the beginning of the season, is in an interesting situation because uh, he is one of the Spurs' go-to players. However, uh, you know, he, he does have that option this summer where he can he can either uh, opt out of his out of his player option and become an unrestricted free agent and test the, the free agent uh, market or the Spurs and, and, and his side can uh, come together and go through it, put a, a uh, contract extension together. So that's also an option. I, I don't think that will happen just because we, that could have happened way back in October and it, it really hasn't. So, so we don't know what the future holds for DeRozan, but again, the, the reason why, even though this DeRozan's their leading scorer and, you know, he, he's their, their go-to guy, the reason why his name might come up in trade rumors is again, because the, the fact that his contract where it's at right now, or the fact that if he were to walk away from San Antonio this summer, they, they, they could lose him for nothing and not get any kind of um, assets back. And whereas if you put him in a trade, well, then obviously you can try to get, you can try to get something back from him f- for him if he were to walk away this summer. So, so there hasn't been really any, any rumors. They've, there's been rumors of other teams been interested in DeRozan, but there hasn't been any kind of rumors of the Spurs shopping DeRozan. So, so with the team continuing to play well and being right there within play within striking distance of a playoff seat, I don't think that we're going to hear his name, uh, uh, on the Spurs is in putting him in, in, in trade trade scenarios publicly. So, so that's kind of where, where his contract stands. Uh, just like DeRozan, you know, Aldridge, um, 
is one of the Spurs' go-to players. Um, you know, he, 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 I don't think he'll get moved just because again, he has this year, he is fully guaranteed, but the next year he has a partial guarantee and, and it's going to go into full guarantee by, by January 1st. Once that date strikes, uh, Aldridge will make 24 million next season. And again, because the Spurs are not going into full rebuild mode and we see them right there on the cusp of making the playoffs, I, I think that they're going to continue to go for a playoff season. So that, that obviously requires keeping both Aldridge and DeRozan. So I don't think you'll see, uh, uh his name out there, even though, um, he's, he's one of those players who, who teams would think that might, might get, you know, be on the trade block if if the team were to go way south spurs but that's not the case they're actually uh putting uh, getting their play better uh patty mills i don't see him out there um on the trade block just because again he's he's been one of their, their best leaders i mean he he was the reason why they he was a big reason why they beat the nets that most recently went 27 points he's having a really good year uh, as of the, as of this morning on, on a friday morning when i checked the stats he was third on, he's the third leading scorer on the team scoring 12 points per game shooting lights out from three we've seen how, how impactful patty has been he's a he's a locker room leader culture leader for this team right now and his contract not bad for the production that he's giving uh this season when you compare him to some other players uh marco bellinelli is interesting to watch because as i mentioned pop continues to go to him however you know what happens if lonnie eventually does get that role and just you know kind of just starts getting max minutes not max minutes but you know the, the main minutes there at the backup three or even becomes a starter well then marco's uh playing time could diminish a lot more i, I know he's struggling from a shot um, so you, you just never know if other playoff teams might might want to call uh, the Spurs and look for, for, at Marco. But right now, you know, for, for now, I, I do think he'll stick around on this roster. Uh, Jakob Pertl, I don't I don't see the Spurs moving him. He's playing really, really well off the bench. Um, he can be a restricted free agent this summer as long as the Spurs tender him a qualifying offer. I believe it's a $5 million. So, yeah, I think that the, the, for them, I, right now, just the way he's playing, I think they would definitely want Jakob uh, to stay within their their organization in the future after, once he becomes a restricted free agent. So that'll be interesting to watch for him. But I, I don't see him getting moved by the trade deadline. Uh, Brent Forbes is interesting to watch as well because, um, you know, I, I don't see him getting moved, but but because of Lonnie's rise and because DeJounte's rise as well, because even though DeJounte has been here all year this season, you got to remember that, he, that he's, there's like a new wrinkle here where he doesn't, he's no longer on the minutes restriction. So that's a good thing. That means that he, Derek White and Lonnie Walker can all kind of start getting some more minutes if, if pop, you know, starts allowing that. So if there's a case where, where pop will constantly wants those three players on the floor at most of the time, well then that's going to impact players, uh, you know, role players like, in, in the guard position and wing position, like Bryn Forbes, like, um, like Marco Bellinelli. So that's why I say that you never know, you know, from now until F- February 7th, which is the trade deadline. If, if Forbes starts losing his role in his minutes within, well, Hey, maybe teams start calling about him, but we'll see for now. I don't think that he gets moved. As I mentioned, I think Lonnie, um, Derek white and, and, uh, are pr- pretty much untouchable unless, you know, it was like an all-star at his prime coming to the team. So just same thing for, um, you know, Kelton Johnson, and Lucas Samaj, same, same situation there for all those young players. Uh, Chemezi Matthews is interesting to watch because, you know, he's continuing to, to, to travel back and forth between San Antonio and Austin. Um, he has his contract, even though it's fully guaranteed for this season next year, though, by, by I think it's by September, they, they have a choice of Spurs, whether or not they're going to guarantee it or not. And if they're not planning on having him in their future, because right now, you know, it's, it's hard for him to even get on the floor uh, unless it's like a blowout win or loss. Then maybe they look, you know, I I, I just don't think teams are going to call on, on, on just because he hasn't had the experience, he hasn't had the playing time, and so teams are pretty much uh, probably aren't, aren't watching those games unless they're watching. There's somebody's a scout's really really watching the Austin games and really likes Metsu, but you know we'll, we'll see where where Metsu stands. Uh, but again, I, I just right now as of as of um, where the Spurs stand right now on, on December 20th that I'm recording this episode, I don't see them making any kind of trade moves. Uh, something that Bobby Marks of ESPN has kind of noted is that the Spurs are not a team who who make in-season trades a lot of times uh at least that's not the, that's not what their 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 record shows the last time they made an in-season trade was way back in the in the 
championship year of 2014 when they moved um, Nando DiColo for Austin Day. So and it was like a minor move. You know, Austin Day wasn't a player who actually played in the playoffs or anything like that, or or had a huge role. Same thing for, for Nando before he got traded. So so again. Historically, the Spurs don't make any kind of in-season trades. That's why I'd, I'd rather, if I had to place a bet, I would say that they don't make a move. You know, I know that's not that's not exciting for the fans, but the only way I do see them making a move is again if um, they start falling behind really seriously in the standings by like late January. We just see that they're like seven to ten games out of the eight seed. Well, then I think you you see them start making some calls and, and things like that. But you know, we'll see what happens. It's still uh, it's still about a month and a half away the trade deadline on February seventh. So that's kind of where um, the players stand. Two players I didn't mention that are eligible are um, Rudy Gay and, and Dejounte Murray, and that's because they are not eligible. Um, Rudy Gay will not be eligible to be traded until January fifteenth, and the reason why he his his um. Uh, limit or, or, or date takes a little bit longer is because Rudy resigned with the team. Whenever you resign with your, your, your original team in the summer, you're allowed to, you, you have up until January 15th with them before the trade restriction lifts and Murray cannot be traded until April uh, 21st of 2020. And the reason for that is because Murray just recently signed a extension with the team, a four year extension and, and a player who signs an extension can't be moved for six months. So, so, so I, you know, obviously I don't think Murray's gonna get traded. He's, he's untouchable pretty much at this point, unless like I mentioned, it's like for an all-star in his prime or something like that. So, so he's pretty, you know, he, his name shouldn't even come up um, at all. And then, you know, we'll see what happens here with the rest of the roster, as I mentioned, as, as the season uh, continues to go along here for the Spurs. So, so we'll see where, where that goes. Um, all right, so before I close up this episode, I want to remind you all to please visit ProjectSpurs.com. Colin Reed has a series on the Spurs' defense he's writing about where the first two parts are available to be read right now on Project Spurs. Steven Anderson continues to keep you updated with analysis after each game. His most recent piece was the three standout players uh, in the game against Brooklyn. Benjamin Bornstein's latest prospect watch for the draft is over on, Ye- on Yeka Okongwu. On Yeka Okongwu, I believe that's correct, uh, from USC. Uh, so again, if you want to keep up on the draft and where where um, some players that might that might fit the Spurs' system uh, in June, uh, keep up with Ben's work. And then I also wrote about uh, the December fifteenth trade deadline uh, this week too. So again, if you want some more details on where everybody's contracts stand and all those things, uh, that piece is there with a lot of different information for you on each Spurs player. Also, be sure to check out Project Spurs Premium if you haven't. Uh, you know, new information continues to get uploaded uh, the day and night after. After e- so, sometimes during the day, if if I can get the information uh, of a game, or if not, the the, the next day uh, I'm able to upload that the uh, Project Spurs Premium page. So, uh, this episode was, was rec- written and recorded by me, Paul Garcia. As always, I want to thank Michael DeLeon for mixing and producing this episode. Since the holidays are approaching, the Spurs cast will be taking a few days off, barring any breaking news. So, you know, unless somebody gets traded or something, then, we, then we, we're going to take a little bit of a break here for the holidays. Uh, but, but again, fr- from the whole staff at Project Spurs, uh, we wish you all a safe and, and happy holiday break. Uh, and we're going to see you in 2020. Thank you. Have a great day. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. 
And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.